This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Happiness is a choice. Happiness is a habit. And happiness is something you work for. People think, oh, well, I just want to be happy. I think the better word is content. You know, happy, what is happy? And nobody's going to be happy all the time. But, you know, to reach a point at 65 years of age where I'm perfectly comfortable with who I am, what I am, and the rest here on out is just gravy. homemade. I'm Marty Duncan. On this podcast, I like to talk about the food that my guests and I grew up with. You know, those recipes that become part of you and stay with you even long after you may have moved away from your hometown. Even if this is your first episode with us, it's pretty obvious I'm Southern. And my guest today is about as Southern as they come too. Born and raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Leslie Jordan brought his Southern charm and down-home personality to Hollywood in the 1980s, and we've watched him in scene-stealing roles on TV shows like Will and & Grace and Murphy Brown and also in blockbuster films like The Help. But during the pandemic, he's been blowing up Instagram with hilarious stories for all of us fella hunk down us. Sometimes I just stun myself with my original thinking. I should be an inventor or something. Okay, so you got a bag of chips and you got no clips, you know, so what on earth do you do? Oh, well, let's take magnets off the refrigerator. Job done. Watch out, Rachel Ray. I'll take my three million followers. I'll start me a little home channel. Along with his dear friend, Travis Howard, another L.A. transplant, Leslie's been taking us to Instagram church on Sunday mornings, posting wildly popular old-fashioned hymn singing videos, which led to a just-released album of gospel duets with mega superstars like Tanya Tucker, Brandi Carlisle, Chris Stapleton, and the one and only Miss Dolly Parton herself. The album is called Companies Coming, and you can get it on Leslie's website or wherever you get your music. And if that weren't enough, Leslie's got a new book, too, titled How Y'all Doing? Misadventures and Mischief from a Life Well Lived, and Hasn't He Just Lived One? The book just came out yesterday, so you can find it in stores and online. And I wanted to bring him on today because he and I have some similarities in cooking styles, and he's got some amazing stories to share with us. So join me in welcoming my fella hunk of downer, the one and only Leslie Jordan to Homemade. I am so thrilled to see you, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Well, I've been reading this book. I love it, number one. I can't put it down. Okay, I grew up and I read every horse and pony book there ever was, too. I also begged my daddy every day for a pony. Unlike you, I never got one. And at our age, I'm still riding, and you are, too. Yes. I'm so excited yes. about all of that. I, 
I'm just am fascinated. I'm also fascinated with the Delta, and you are too. And mm-hmm. there's just so many things. I'm like, oh my God, he is my best friend I never knew I had. I'm so glad. Me too. I have loved you since Will and Grace, but I've loved you before that on Murphy Brown. That was, do you know that that was Murphy Brown? I would say people always ask, what was your break? The episode I did of Murphy Brown was the seventh episode of the pilot season. It wasn't even a really big hit then. And I went in and did my part. We did a reading. And then Diane English, who wrote that show, pulled me aside and she said, listen, we've given each of our regulars, you know, Faith Ford and Joe Rigglebuto and Candace and all of them, their episode, and we're going to give you an episode. Well, the next day we showed up and everybody was reading and the main cast would say, well, where was that funny joke I had? And they'd look at me. <laughs> but I, that the day after that aired, Everybody wanted to talk to me from Burt Reynolds. He thought maybe I could do a series with his current wife at the time, Lonnie Anderson. And Steven Spielberg wanted to meet me. I mean, I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. Pee Wee Herman put me on his show for a little while. Paul, in other words. Paul Rubin. I mean, you are it, honey. You are it. I-T with a capital I-N-T. How did that happen? You know, it's funny. You kick around Hollywood forever and ever and... You get this job and it leads to that job. But this internet thing, I don't know. I don't either. I've been trying to figure it out for a long time, but you seem to have worked it out pretty good. Well, I was in Tennessee during the pandemic with Mama and the twins. I have identical twin sisters who are 22 months younger than me. And I got so bored, I started posting on Instagram and I posted twice a day for 80 days. Wow. Now, right now, when I post every other two or three days, I'm scrambling for content. I think I got to make something up. Back then, I'd just get on there and talk, tell them what I was doing and this and that. Anyway, a friend called from California and said, honey, you've gone viral. (laughs) And I said, no, I don't have COVID. I thought he thought I had COVID. He said, you've gone viral. I said, no, I'm safe and home. He said, no, no, not that virus, internet viral. And I've yet to figure it out. I guess just one person told another person. Who knows? I'm not sure how I got to you, but I have loved every second of it. And um, I love this Sunday hymn singing. It reminds me of my Uncle George so much. Oh, my goodness gracious. You and Travis out there in California with a guitar just hanging out together, singing hymns on Sunday. I have loved that. And a lot of my friends, they started tuning in just for that. But a lot of people tune in for the cooking when you were cooking a lot during the pandemic. Yes. You said when you went to make that cornbread that you couldn't find your cast iron skillet. I couldn't find it, but I found it. Oh, good. Because I was going to send you one. I got extra. Well, you know what? Lodge... The cast iron skillet people sent me five oh, wow. in all sizes. In fact, I pulled one out yesterday. I thought, why have I never used this just to fry an egg in the morning? This would be perfect. Well, I have some that are like 60, 70 years old. I was going to send you one of those. Oh, I'd be so honored. Well, I'll do it. I know how to get it to you, so I'll get you one. Let's just jump right into the cooking. This show's called Homemade, and we like to know all about your homemade secrets. So you got a secret for cornbread. Tell us about it while we're talking about cast iron. The only secret I have, because, of course, bacon, you know, you got to have a little bacon grease. People say, well, just use some oil. 
No, my grandmother kept that can, oh. honey, that can of bacon grease. My mama did. My mama did. On the back of the stuff. That's right. It stayed there every day. If that makes you a little squirrely having bacon grease, well, then you're not going to like this cornbread. But you know what? The secret that my grandmother told me a long time ago was to leave it a little lumpy. And you you know what? Everybody has a cornbread recipe. The best is just off the cornmeal box. And also, I heat my cast iron with the bacon grease on the stove and then pour that batter in so it'll be crisp on the outside before you put it in the oven. I do the same thing. So, y'all, here's what you do. You take your bacon grease or your Crisco or whatever it is you're using, and you put it in your cast iron. You let it get hot and melty, like super hot, like hot enough if you drop a little drop Mm -hmm. in there, it's going to fry it. So then when you get your batter ready, you pour it in, and it makes that beautiful crust on the outside of the cornbread, doesn't it? And the inside stays fluffy and, oh, so good. I'm making some tonight. You're from Tennessee, And you were there hunkered down when you went viral. But now you're back out in in Los Angeles. Do you find yourself cooking as much because you're working a lot now? Do you cook a lot or? I don't. I don't cook a lot at all. I don't have time. This series that I'm doing, Call Me Cat with my Mbiolic. It's on Fox on Thursday nights at 9 o'clock. It's cute. Well, we're having such a good time. That's where I am right now. We've been rehearsing all day long. But I'm putting in 12-hour days. But you don't feel like cooking when you get home. No. I don't know about you, but like when I would be on set of any of those TV shows, there's always candy and craft foods and kind of pick around all day at stuff you shouldn't be eating. All day long. And then you get home and you're like, God, I've already had 4,000 calories. I better not eat anything else. That's what I said yesterday. I said, I'm going to end up like a beach ball with arms. I can't keep eating like this because they'll bring in food, like all kinds of stuff they bring in. Besides just the candy and everything, well, they'll bring in whole meals of stuff. Now, what's your favorite thing when they bring it in? What do you like the best? Well, they make us lasagna, a big thing of lasagna. And, you know, because it's California, it's always like, you know, spinach lasagna or something, you know. But this is really good. As long as it's got that cheese, that ricotta cheese and everything, I'll eat it. I don't care if it's spinach or whatever. Well, speaking of Hollywood, I want to ask you about this. This is kind of a food thing, too. Is it true that on your very first private jet trip that you were going (laughs) on somewhere with with John Ritter and you didn't know they would have catering on the plane? So you showed up with a whole fried chicken and side dishes and everything. Tell me about that. I thought, well, we might get hungry. Linda Bloodworth-Thomason and her husband, Harry, when they got all the money for designing women, Harry bought some airplanes. And then after that, we were doing a series with John Ritter called Hearts of Fire. And whenever they needed to send us out for publicity, we'd jump on Harry's private plane. But the first time I thought, well, we were going to fly all the way to New York. I thought, well, that's a long trip. So I fried a whole chicken and I made some potato salad. And I had big jugs of uh, sweet tea and mason jars. Well, they laughed so hard at me because it was just beautifully catered. You know, they had all that. But uh, what did we eat? Honey, we had fried chicken, potato salad, and iced tea. I bet you did. (laughs) And you make iced tea like I do. You make it in the mason jar. Tell everybody how you make sweet tea. Now, so y'all, if you're not from the South, you don't know this, but when you go to a restaurant or even if you just go to somebody's house, you go in and they sit down, honey, can I bring you some tea? Yes. What kind? Sweet or unsweet? They just say, what do you want, sweet or unsweet? When my British friends or my Northern friends hear that, they're like, what does that even mean? So 
we like sweet tea. So you tell them how you make it. I make mine very sweet. People say, you're going to end up with the diabetes. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> the sugar is my grandmother. You say, you're going to get the sugar. You're going to get the sugar. And so I take four Lipton tea bags and put them in a quart mason jar. And then I pour that boil. It's got to be a rolling boil. My grandmother said, it's got to be a rolling boil. Then you pour that and you let it five minutes. Exactly. I let it steep. And then I put one third cup of sugar. <laughs> That's how I make my sweet tea. But I, I keep a jug in the, I mean, it's in the kitchen constantly. The only thing's always in my fridge. Hey, a question for you. How do you keep it from getting cloudy if you leave it in the fridge? I go through it so fast. I only make a quart of it. Okay, so don't have time. Yeah, and I, I'll leave it out. You can leave it out, but you're exactly right. You put it in the fridge for too long. And that's my pet peeve is go to a restaurant, and I want to tell them, now, listen, you can brew tea every day. That tea has been sitting in the fridge, and it's cloudy, and it's nasty. That's right. You need to <laughs> make better iced tea. <laughs> that's right. Well, back to being like a big Instagram and social media sensation. How does it feel on the social media game at whatever age? You know, we don't discuss age in the South <laughs> and we don't think it's polite. But what does it feel like? Like most of those guys who make millions and millions of followers like you have are like 18. I know. And at 60, at 65, I'll say it, 65 years of age. It just happened. The big thing that's come out of all of it is that Travis Howard and I have an album coming out. I have seen y'all in the studio, and I was going to ask you about that. And I sing duets with everybody from Dolly Parton. She said, we, Dolly you and I sang, Till the soul of man never dies. La, 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 la. She said, I sang that song growing up. I said, well, we're going to record it. I've got one with Chris Stapleton. Further along, I know all about it. What? Tanya Tucker and I singing when the roll is called up yonder. I was thinking about that today. I said, you know who he ought to sing with is Tanya Tucker. And now you've already done it. Daggum. And then there's a rock group called the Osborne Brothers. Yes. And one of them, TJ, came out of the closet two or three days ago. told everybody he's the very first openly gay country western singer you know, with a big record deal. Right. And he and I recorded in the suite by and by. What a song. It's wonderful. And who else? I can't remember who. I'm afraid I'm forgetting somebody. But uh, Oh, I'm sure. But we're going to get that when it comes out. But see, I just thought we should do a cookbook together called Company's Coming. Oh. I know. So shoot. But here's the thing. I had Jesse Tyler Ferguson on the show, you know, from Modern Family. Uh, and he's done a cookbook with a girl from Alabama named Julie. You could have your own girl from Alabama. <laughs> yeah, Marty Knows Party. So we could have had a cookbook about coming over and food from your past and my past and how we grew up and what we love now. Well, maybe we'll do a holiday one uh, cooking. We'll call it Deck M. Halls, y'all. That's a good one. I'm <laughs> down for that. But uh, I want to get back to the recipes for just a minute. Now, you make chicken salad a lot, like a lot. A lot. What I do is I've gotten, if I'm, if I'm going to be lazy, I'll just get a rotisserie chicken. But usually I cook a whole chicken. I stick it in a hen and just let it cook and then I pull all that meat off and I, I've gone past, you know, I remember my mother coming home one time from a church lunch and I said, how was it? She said, well, dark meat in a chicken salad. But I like a little dark meat in my chicken salad. 
And then I chop all that up, and I, it's so simple. Celery, and then I add Hellman's, the best foods. Yep. Uh, mayonnaise. People will say to me, you ought to try Dukes. I said, well, either one, but I've just always liked Hellman's. We call it best foods out here. And then lemon. I just squirt lemon on that, and I'll eat on that. Oh, oh, boiled eggs. Boiled eggs. So it's actually, my mother's done that for years. It's actually half egg salad and half chicken salad because she'll chop up as many boiled eggs as you put in egg salad and mix it all together. I also noticed that you're like me. You're a no sugar in the cornbread man. No, 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 no. The most comments I ever had on social media was when I just posted the question, cornbread, question mark, sugar or no sugar? And boy, did the people come out of the woodwork for that one. I didn't even know I had that many people. I did see where you said one time that you don't write anything down. It's sort of hit or miss. You don't have recipes down. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to caution you about that because I lost my mama a long time ago. And I have spent 10 years trying to recreate my mama's pot roast. And I finally got it. And what I was missing was the simplest little thing. It was bay leaf. And it, every time I give it to my daddy, he would say, it's not the same. It's not the same. It would be the same pot, the same kitchen, the same everything. And I would get so frustrated because I knew it was right. But it was just a bay leaf I was missing. So you better get those recipes down. Well, I do. And what have you? do you happen to own Fanny Flagg's Fried Green Tomato <laughs> Cookbook? Of course. Well, of course. that's, believe it or not, where almost all of my grandmother's recipes I found written down. But even when I'd ask my grandmother, she'd say, uh, I asked her about her biscuits, and she said, well, you make a nest. And my mother said, what, what does that mean, Mama, make a nest? I said, I know what she means. You just take the flour and make a little nest. And she said, then you put your shortening. And Mama said, well, how much? And my grandma's little hand went up, and she said, about, about that much. Leslie, my mother did the same thing. <laughs> Makes me want to cry. That's so precious. So biscuits are one of my things, too. I love to make biscuits. Do you ever make them out there, out in La La Land? I do. Not enough. I do. Not enough, though. I just love biscuits. I'll eat a dozen biscuits with butter. I live by myself, too. I live by myself, too, so I understand. I, but you know what? They freeze great, so make them up. Do they? And, oh, my gosh, yes. And uh -huh. cut them out, punch them out, uh -huh. and then put them on something flat and put them in the refrigerator till they make a little disc. And so I make half, and then I freeze half. You mean you freeze the dough? You don't cook Yeah, punched out, though. Yeah, you want to punch it out, but don't cook uh, it. And put it in there on a flat surface and let it freeze hard. Then you can just put them in a plastic bag. Uh -huh. And then when you want a biscuit, you can make one or you can make six or whatever. And how long do you put it in the oven? The same. Really? Oh, yes. It's crazy. Uh -huh. But you uh, like you cook a biscuit at 450, right? right? So it's about like that. So yeah. anyway, for us Bella Hunkadanas <laughs> who live alone, that's a good little tip for you. There you go. You're listening to Homemade. When we come back, Leslie shares his keys to happiness and what it was like to work with the queen of country herself, Dolly Parton. We'll be right back after the break. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Marty Duncan, and my guest today is actor, author, and all-around Southern gentleman, Leslie Jordan. All right, so I love some of your quotes and things in this book, and so many of the things I've heard you say along the way on your Instagram, like, fried chicken don't take no sides. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was so funny. But one thing that I posted on my Instagram today, and I said I was going to be talking to you, and I put a picture of the book up, and I said, what questions would you want me to ask him, or what would you want to say? And people are like, oh my gosh, he's just like a ray of sunshine. He is so, so sunny and so happy happy. And so I want you to tell us this quote that you've got about happiness, your philosophy on happiness. I think that happiness is a choice. Happiness is a habit. And happiness is something you work for. People think, oh, well, I just want to be happy. And you know, I don't know about happy. I think the better word is content. You know, happy, what is happy? Nobody's going to be happy all the time. But You know, to reach a point at 65 years of age where I'm perfectly comfortable with who I am, what I am, and the rest here on out is just gravy. So it was a long journey. 100%. You know, I got into recovery. I was a big drinker. And recovery is where they told me, you need to write things down and you need to do it pen to paper. Because when you put pen to paper, you get clarity. And that's when I learned how to write things, you know, like I was able just to reach a point in recovery that made me do fearless. I said, I'm not afraid of anything. They said, oh, you're afraid of everything. And so I had, you know, what am I afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of heterosexual men. They just scared me. <laughs> I'm afraid they're going to tease me or be mean to me. I'm afraid of, uh, you know, I just, I started, I came up with 80 fears. I started writing. And then my spiritual advisor said, I want you to take all those fears and I want you to write real or imagined. I said, well, I don't know the difference. He said, well, if a bear is chasing you through the woods, that's a real fear. That bear might eat you. But most of your fears are just imagined. You know, like I'm afraid that heterosexual men are going to be mean to me. Well, when did that happen last? And when do you, you know what I mean? That's just imagine. When did you get beat up last? So I I did a lot of work is the point of all of this. It's not something that just kind of happened. I have been born, I will tell you this, because I've watched people. I've been born with a huge capacity for happiness, and I thank God for that. Because I think, you know, the people just born with a better capacity to be happy than, you know, some... Because when I was younger, I was irritable and restless and discontent, but I still had that capacity to be happy, and I'm, I've been blessed with that. And I'll tell you who is the queen of happiness is Dolly Parton. For sure. I've got, I've got to meet her and sit and talk with her, and 
I thought to myself, I'm going to ask myself, every time I get in a quandary, what would Dolly do? What would Dolly do? That's right. I put on my Twitter this week, hashtag be like Dolly. Who don't want to be like that? Giving away all those books to kids, all the stuff. I mean, everything she's done. I mean, let's face it. She's great talent. Nine to five showed us that. If you didn't know she wasn't more than a singer, you learned it then. Wasn't that the best movie? I it just was. loved her in that movie. I loved your quote about her. You remember what you said? Okay, man. You said Dolly Parton was like creme brulee. You could eat her with a spoon. That's <laughs> right. So what song did you and Dolly do on the album? It's called The Soul of Man Never Dies. Oh. And it's one of the hymns that I did not know. And my friend Travis said, what? And then when we presented it to Dolly, she said, I sang that every Sunday. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way, my where way. the soul of man never dies. And she brings such joy because when she recorded it, because what you do is we went to Nashville and got the best musicians and we laid down all the tracks. And then we came back to L.A. and rented the studio and I sang and then we sent it to her and she just put it. But listen what all she added when you hear the track. She talks. She's just so precious. Mm. She says, I just love this thing because this is such a sweet song, and it makes me so happy. Don't you think so, Leslie? And so we went back in and re-recorded where I would answer her, and we talk, and then we'll sing a verse. It's just, it's precious. She said to me, now, do you mind if they sing on the record, too? And I said, Doc, can you hear me going, no, Dolly, there's no room for your family. Just yeah, I said, Dolly, and, and her family, she lost her brother recently. Randy died. I saw that. Her oldest brother. But she's number five in the hierarchy, and she's so close to her family. I love that about her, that she puts everybody first. I, I mean, all the time. And, you know, it's easy to push your family to the side. Like, I'm so busy exactly. with my work. I got to do this. I got to do that. But she's right up there with her family, includes them in everything. Puts them all through school, all her nieces and nephews. She puts them through school, you know, anything that they want. When I met her, I said, Dolly, you may not remember this, but I was in University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and I drove to Sevierville to Pigeon Forge long before Dollywood, any of that, to see you. And I can't remember where you performed. She said the high school auditorium. She knew exactly. She said that was 1974. That was the year after Jolene came out. And I said, I was there. I was there. How about that? Now, I, I'll just say this. I've seen her a couple of times. She is some kind of smart. She really is. And the reason she does so much work for literacy is that her daddy never learned to read or write. I didn't realize that. She told me, she said, Lisa, he was the smartest man I know. He was brilliant, but he never learned to read or write. So that's why she has firsthand witnessed how important it is to be able to read and write and oh, sends those books to all those kids. She just... All those kids, millions. Uh -huh. Millions. Hey, earlier on, we were talking about learning to cook with your mom and your grandmother and how your grandmama would show, like, how much do I put in and just put her little hand mm -hmm. out and have about that mm -hmm. much. What did you learn to cook with your grandmama that you still like to cook now? My grandmother taught me how to make chicken and dumplings, Ooh. and it's not as hard as you think. And that, I haven't, I haven't made that in years. I should make that soon because... You know, it's just my grandmother would throw the whole chicken in. There'd be bones and everything in that chicken and dumplings, you know. That's how the old folks used to do it. My aunt, who was older than my mother, that's how she did it. And then, you know, you just have to pick around those bones. It would all just fall off in uh -huh. the pot. 
did have a big old chicken and dumpling pot. My yes, aunt did, I've like a, a one one. pot that was sort of dedicated to chicken and dumplings. Oh my goodness gracious! Well, if you haven't made it in a long time, now you need to make that. I'll be coming over for that. I'll just drive on over from Alabama. <laughs> did your grandmother make her dumplings, or did you use? She used refrigerated biscuit dough like a lot of people. No, 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 no. She made her dumplings, and she would lay it all out and roll it and then cut them in big, long strips. So her dumplings were not fat, big dumplings. They were thin and long like that, and she'd chop up it and just drop that dumpling into the where the chicken was cooking. Oh, What else is like, you didn't mention much about desserts. The only dessert I heard you mention was the creme brulee. Um <laughs> Dolly, did you not grow up eating a lot of desserts? We did. But you know what I loved about growing up that's different than today? We didn't keep bags of sweets around the house, like store-bought cookies and all that kind of stuff. If you wanted something sweet, you ate it. You know what I mean? It wasn't just sticking cookies in your mouth. My grandmother would make little tiny fried pies, little fruit fried pies. Her best a dessert was red velvet cake with divinity frosting. My mother did the same thing. Isn't that something? That frosting was crunchy on the outside and then creamy. And you couldn't make it if there was humidity. Mm-mm, it wouldn't sell. <laughs> it, it wouldn't sell. I mean, seriously, isn't it funny how a lot of people from the South have a lot of the same experiences? Some of the ingredients are different. Some of the techniques are different. But like when you, with the Divinity Frosting, she would take that mixer out, I bet you, and she'd have to oh, beat and beat and beat the sugar. Do you remember that? Did you yes. ever have to help her with it? It would yes. take forever. They said seven minutes. It would seem to me like 107 minutes. But there was nothing prettier than that white Divinity Frosting. No, nothing. And tasted like melty lollipop or something on top of that cake. So good. So good. Fluffy and sticky, you know, (laughs) sticky. But if she did it and there wasn't any humidity, it would be sort of smooth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you, you talk about the Delta in your book. The Mississippi Delta is important to you. I spent a lot of time in the Delta. I have friends who had an old homestead there that they've turned into a hunting camp, and I go down there a couple times a year and cook big dinners for them and mm-hmm. hang out and have fun, and we bring out the guitars and do some picking and singing and that kind of thing. But uh, are you a fan of the tamale, the Delta tamale? I am, but they're too spicy for me. Sometimes they make them kind of spicy. I tell you, the thing that I love the most to eat is when we were all doing the help in Greenwood, Mississippi, we'd go to these restaurants and everything was covered in comeback sauce. That's right. That's the new thing, comeback sauce. Comeback sauce. And I made the mistake. I was explaining it to somebody. I said, it's kind of like warm Thousand Island dressing with a kick to it. This woman came flying out of the kitchen. She said, my comeback sauce has 28 ingredients. And it's not warmed over Thousand Island dressing. <laughs> oh, funny. You know, around there, I love that they still had restaurants that when the prohibition was going on, they were curtained. Have you ever been into those old restaurants around yes, there? Yes, of course I have. Why is everything curtained like this? They said, well, so, you know, you could warn them if the, if the cops were coming, but they could drink in the tank little tents or whatever. Yeah, I, I go over to Clarksdale a lot, and there's a couple of restaurants oh. over there that still have them. Speaking of the help, you did a cartwheel on that movie. Can you still do a cartwheel? Uh-huh. How about that? I did that cartwheel, and 
Tate said, why'd you do a cartwheel? Wasn't even in the script. And I said, well, it was so hot up here. Everybody was, you know, grumpy. I just thought it'd be fun. He, he said, well, I can tell you right now, it's not going to be in the movie. I said, well, fine. So then we did that big premiere and there was my cartwheel, right? And I went up to him and I said, did you decide to use my cartwheel? He said, no. Stacy Snyder, head of DreamWorks. I mean, she she runs the whole show, said she liked it and put it back in. Well, there you go. Love it. So you knew. I mean, I am so thrilled that you did that whole Instagram thing because you make everybody happier, just these little things. This has been so much fun. I'm just so happy for you. I'm so happy for this record that's coming out with Dolly and Chris Stapleton and, and Travis. And I'm so happy that that has resulted from all of us being on lockdown. And I'm excited about this book. And thank you for being so generous thank of you, your time honey. and of your uh, of your spirit. And uh, I just think it's wonderful. All, all, all the world's blessings to you. Thank you for being a blessing to us. Thank you, honey. Anytime you want to call me, you just let me know. Leslie's new book, How Y'all Doing? Misadventures and Mischief from a Life Well Lived is available in stores and online. And his new album called Company's Coming, featuring duets with Dolly Parton, Brandi Carlisle, Chris Stapleton, and many others is available wherever you get your music. You can also catch Leslie on his new TV show, Call Me Cat, or in his latest film, The United States vs. Billie Holiday. Next week on Homemade, we've got a special Mother's Day episode for you, including a conversation with the wonderful Zarela Martinez, longtime New York City restaurateur and mother to popular chef and TV personality, Aron Sanchez. We are millions of chefs, but the ones that really triumph are the ones that have their own style. But the most important thing is to find something that you're so passionate about that you cannot live unless you're doing that. There are many wonderful cooking tips from Zarella in this episode, as well as some funny and fascinating stories from previous homemade guests, all about their own mom. So you're not going to want to miss it. Subscribe to Homemade right now. And please, we'd love your feedback. If you could, rate this podcast and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, you can find thousands of recipes, meal ideas, and cooking how-tos from the world's largest community of cooks at allrecipes.com. This podcast was recorded in Birmingham, edited in Atlanta, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Homemade is produced by All Recipes with digital content director Jason Burnett. Thanks to our Pod People production team, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Jim Hankey, Maya Croft, and Erica Wong. I'm Marty Duncan, and this is Homemade.